0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Resurrection City Church. My name is Julie, and I am one of the pastors here. And I just want to give a special welcome to all of you this morning, uh, especially if you're new or just visiting with us. Uh, We're always glad to have you join us. So um, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna get started. We're gonna continue on in our series called He Refreshes My Soul. So please pray with me. Father, uh, we just thank you for this morning. For the ways that you are showing us through your world and through your creation uh, that you are making things new and that we can trust in that we can hope in that uh, and lord this morning as we uh, talk about your word uh, we just ask that you would speak to us through it um, and we ask that whatever it is that we would be willing to follow you the good shepherd in the same way that the sheep follow their shepherd in your name we pray amen Okay, so if you are new or just joining us, we have been in a series that we're calling He Refreshes My Soul. And throughout this series, we've been looking at Psalm 23, which is all about uh, a good shepherd and its sheep. And so we've been talking about what it looks like to follow Jesus as the good shepherd, and knowing that when we do choose to follow him and walk in his paths, he gives us peace, he gives us life. He gives us a feeling of wholeness and completeness uh, and that's what we see throughout the psalm and that's what we are hoping for when we choose to follow uh, and walk with the shepherd and as part of that we've been talking a lot about slowing down we've been talking about sabbath we've been talking about resting we've been talking about taking time to think about what's in your heart and what's in your head What are the things that you're dealing with that it can be easy to just push aside, but maybe you need to take some time to to think about it, to bring it to God in prayer, as Joel talked about last week. So we've been talking a lot about what's already in your head, and this morning I want to talk about what we can maybe put there instead, how we can think about um, God's Word and trying to actively put something into our heart and into our head. So we're going to be talking about Uh, scripture, meditation, and memorization. And even if you just leave the scripture part out and just think about meditation and memorization, I think it's two things that we struggle with or just don't have much of a need for in our current world. When's the last time that you actually read an article from start to finish without skimming it without jumping to another section and just reading the headlines, actually reading the whole thing from start to finish. I will admit, for me, it's been a while. I am very much a skimmer when it comes to stuff like that. Unless it's something that someone really wants me to read the whole thing and take notes or talk about it, then I will read it, but it's hard. We live in a world that skimming and scanning and scrolling are just kind of the norm so much so that we even came up with a a shorthand for when we don't want to read the whole thing of something. (laughs) You guys know what this stands for, TLDR, too long, didn't read, Um, which is just funny to me that we actually, like this is something people use to say like, yeah, it's too long, I didn't read it, you need to shorten what you're saying to me, (laughs) sometimes if they're using it sarcastically. Or if it's uh, often used as like a summary statement, right? It's like, here's the TLDR, and then here's what you need to take away from this article. So you don't actually have to read the entire thing. And I just think it's hilarious that it's even shorthand for shortening something (laughs) that just shows you how much we don't like to sit and be in something in the moment. And that's just meditating, right? Let's talk about memorization. I feel like any need to actually like learn something and memorize it has just gone out the window because we all have a tiny computer in our back pockets. So there are very few phone numbers that I actually know by memory. My childhood best friend's landline that probably isn't even connected anymore. In case you're wondering, you can call 336-1969 and talk to the Derbick family. Um, I'm sure it's not connected anymore. Uh, But yeah, I had to actually, when Joel and I got married, I had to consciously make an effort to memorize his phone number, because I kept having to write it down on, like, emergency contact forms, and I was like, I don't actually know it. We've been dating and engaged for this long, and I actually do not know his phone number. Or even though I've lived in the Twin Cities for 12 years now, I still use Google Maps to get to far too many places, (laughs) and I've become an even worse speller than I was originally, which... I was originally pretty bad uh, because of autocorrect, right? There's no need to actually memorize something uh, because we always have access to look it up. We never have to actually commit it to our mind and learn it. And none of this is necessarily a bad thing, right? Does it really matter if I can't remember that calendar is spelled with an AR or an ER? No, it doesn't. Uh, but it, when it comes to our spiritual lives, I think it does us a disservice because we no longer have the attention span or the interest or even the ability to just slow down long enough to meditate on and memorize God's word. And these two things, I think, are actually very important to our spiritual life. So a few weeks ago, Joel talked about this verse in particular from Psalm 23, uh, verse 3b, to be very specific. And it says, he, referring to the shepherd, guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And if we follow the analogy in the psalm, right, we're the sheep and God is our shepherd and he leads us and we're supposed to follow him. And a few weeks ago, Joel shared this story uh, about a little boy who uh, his sheep got taken away from him and he had to go and buy them back. And when he went to buy them back, it was sort of like an impound lot and there's just all these sheep and the guy who was running it was like, yeah, good luck. You're never going to figure out which ones are yours. And the little boy was like, oh no, He pulled out a little instrument, a little flute or something, and played a little song. And his three, I think it was three, sheep came all the way over to him. They knew that song. And so he got to take his sheep back that were specifically his. It's a heartwarming little story, right? But I think it's important because Jesus actually says the same thing is true for us. In John 10, he says, the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. So as we've been talking about in this series, following Jesus and following the good shepherd helps us live lives of wholeness and of peace and following the right paths. But we need to know Jesus' voice if we're going to follow him. And meditating and memorizing scripture helps us with that. And we'll see that because the big idea I kind of want to put forth to you today is that uh, what we meditate on shapes us. Oh, I think I'm on the wrong slide. Anyways, the idea that like what we spend our time thinking about really has an impact on who we are, what we do, and how we live our lives. So this morning, I wanna look at three ways that scripture can shape us when we meditate on it. And one is that it shapes our character. Two is that it prepares us for hardship. And three is that it helps us love others. So Let's start by talking about how scripture, meditating on scripture can shape our character. There's another Psalm that speaks to this and it's actually the very first Psalm in the whole collection. And some people think that this psalm is written a little bit differently than the rest of the psalms. And it's written more as a guide of how we should engage with God's word. So I'm going to read it to you. Psalm 1. Uh, There's only six verses, so I'm going to read the whole thing for you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those whose delight is in the law of the Lord... And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So we've got one path here, right? The idea that those who meditate on the, the law, which kind of at that point stood for God's word. So meditating on God's word, they have one way of life, right? They are the, they are blessed, they do not walk in step with the wicked. Um, and they are like a tree tree planted by streams of water. And then here's the other option. Here's the, the second path. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So in the psalm, you see these two different paths. There's the path of the person who meditates on God's word, And there's the path of the wicked and the big difference between those two paths is what the person spends their time meditating on what they are spending their time thinking about and growing their desires for it ultimately shapes who they become and what paths they take maybe that sounds oversimplified to you and to be fair it kind of is it's a bit of an overstatement There are obviously more things that go into shaping who we are and what choices we make than just what we meditate on. But our thoughts are a very big piece of that puzzle. In fact, it's the big idea behind uh, something called CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, if you've heard of that. It's a very common therapy practice. And basically the idea, and probably all of the people who are actually therapists in the room are like, this is a very simplified version of this. But the big idea, as I understand it, is that our thoughts lead to our emotions or impact our emotions. And then our emotions then lead to and impact our behaviors, or at least that they can. So the idea is to kind of, if we reframe our thoughts, then that will impact our feelings, which will then impact our behaviors. It's not a magic bullet, uh, but it is well-researched and highly regarded in the therapy world. And if we think about this, if we think about our last few years and just the society that we live in, I think we can all think of examples of this. You take two people who have very different beliefs on something, right? Very different views on the world and how they think about things. And if you take a look at, you know, what are they taking in in terms of like content and media? You start to see, oh yeah, they're hearing this all the time. They're thinking about this all the time. All the people around them are saying the exact same thing. Well, obviously it makes sense, but then they end up kind of thinking the same things and acting the same way. And here's the deal. We all meditate. If you're thinking like, yeah, that sounds like something that I don't do, right? That when I think of meditate, I think of like sitting calmly and like emptying all of my thoughts and maybe doing yoga. Uh, or the Headspace app, I know that's really popular. Yes, that's meditating, but the way I'm thinking about it and talking about it is something that I think we all do uh, intentionally or unintentionally. You've heard the phrase that something can like live rent free in your mind. You guys know that phrase? People use it to describe things that like just kind of hang out in your brain all the time. You're not actually trying to consciously think about them, but they're sort of just hanging out in the back or anytime you have a free moment sort of pop back in and you're thinking about it. Maybe it's some piece of criticism that you got, that you're like, I just cannot get over this, I keep thinking about it. Um, Maybe it's a conversation that you had with someone, you just keep replaying the whole thing in your mind. Or maybe it's something like a funny TV show you watched, or whatever it is. I guarantee if you thought about it, you could think of something that has lived rent-free in your mind in the last month. And to me, I think that's meditating, right? Something that we're turning over in our head constantly. So whether you like it or not, this is something you already do. So now the question that we have to ask, uh, and I appreciate Rich Villadice in his book, The Deeply Formed Life, he asks, is what we're meditating on maturing us? Or I would add, is it leading to wholeness in our life? Is it making us more Christ-like? Because what we think about has an impact on our character and the type of person that we become. And some of the ways that meditating on God's word can mature us, that it helps us recognize what is wise and what is foolish. Like it said in Psalm 1, what is righteous and what is wicked. When we listen to the Good Shepherd, to Jesus, we become more like him. We become more aware of what uh, his plan for the world is, what his desires for us are. And we're, it's easier for us to see the path that leads to righteousness versus the path that leads away from God. And so we can see uh, that God is true goodness, true mercy, true love, true justice. And the more time we spend listening to him, we're gonna be able to pick out in our world what those things are as well. And meditating on God's word also helps us think less about ourselves. So, which again, is a very Christ-like thing to do. In Philippians 2, uh, we're called to act the way that Christ does by putting aside our own preferences and serving others. Uh, And there's actually research that meditation can help us do that. Just regular meditation. This is from an article in Forbes, and it's just talking about, you know, your standard meditation, however you do it. And it says, meditation reduces activity in the brain's me center. One of the most interesting studies in the last few years, carried out at Yale University, found that mindfulness meditation decreases activity in the default mode network, or the DMN, the brain network responsible for mind-wandering and self-referential thoughts. This is an article from Forbes by Alice Walton, and it just highlights the fact that just even regular meditation can take our minds off of ourselves it puts our minds on something else, something different than all the things that have just been running through our head constantly. And they show that they've done research that shows that this even just regular meditation, it reduces stress, it helps manage anxiety, it reduces chronic pain, may reduce age-related memory loss, improve sleep, decrease blood pressure, help with addiction. There's a long list of things that meditation, taking our minds off of ourselves can help with. So if that's just regular meditation, I want you to consider what meditating on God's word could do in your life. Because it not only takes our minds off of ourselves and our own thoughts, but it wraps it around God's thoughts instead. Which he says in Isaiah 55, his thoughts are higher than ours. So it takes all of our stress, all of our worries, all of the things that are running through our head constantly and instead of just taking our mind off of them for a minute, which just even that has health benefits, it actually puts it on what God would say about that situation. Questions like, am I good enough? Am I loved? Do I have a purpose, and can I actually live up to it? And instead of worrying and ruminating over these things, it reminds us of Jesus and what he's done for us, of his cross and the resurrection and the reminder that we are loved, we have hope, we're righteous in Christ, and we are forgiven. We've been given a purpose and we've been given a family through the church and we have this opportunity uh, to work together towards that purpose. So what we meditate on shapes us. It's because it shapes our thinking and it shapes our emotions and therefore it's going to shape our behavior. And does meditating make us more loved in God's eyes No, with all of these practices that Joel and I have been highlighting in this series, none of them are going to make you a better Christian in God's eyes. They're not going to make you more loved or more saved or any of those things. But they will help you become more like Christ and help you follow the path uh, that He has set out for us and that He's calling us as His sheep to follow. The second way that scripture meditation and memorization can help us uh, become more whole is that it prepares us for hardship. And for me, this is actually connected to the first point about character because uh, you might hear the saying, character is who you are when nobody's watching. I like to say that character is who you are when stuff starts to hit the fan. Because let's be honest, No one is their best self when things get difficult. It really reveals what's inside of us, what's going on in our heart, and how we handle those things. And if you're not in a difficult season right now, you might be like, okay, this isn't very motivating to me, right? I don't feel a need to go run and memorize scripture because I'm not struggling with something in particular. But I love how Bible teacher Jen Wilkin puts it. She says, what we repeat in times of ease is what we will recall in times of hardship. So what you do when things are easy, how you live your life, what you spend your time doing, how you think, that's gonna be what comes out when things get hard. Because when's the best time to prepare for something? Not when you start it, it's not in the middle of it, right? I don't walk up here and then start preparing what I'm gonna to say to you. You want to be prepared ahead of time. And it matters that we meditate on and memorize scripture now so that we can recall it when things are difficult. In an ideal world, we would be spending time in scripture impressing it on our minds and on our hearts so that when we are in a place where we need to hear truth or we just need a word of encouragement um, or we need to be reminded who the good shepherd is and what he's done for us, it's right there. It's something that we can recall uh, no matter the stressful situation. It's a little bit like muscle memory, right? If you ever played a sport or a musical instrument or something like that, uh, you know that when you're, you practice ahead of time so that when you're in the game, it just sort of happens, right? You don't have to think about it. Even if you panic mid game or mid performance, the idea is that you've done it so many times that your body knows how to do it without, you know, having to really think that hard about it. I used to dance competitively, and this would happen to me all the time. Like in the middle of a routine, suddenly I'm like, my mind is blank. And there's all these people out here, and I'm like, you know, on this team. But my body kept going because we had practiced it so many times that honestly I think I could have done it in my sleep, right? Your body just knows what it's doing, and so it keeps you moving uh, without needing as much conscious effort. And if we practice meditating on God's Word and memorizing it, Those words will come back to us uh, when we need them or when we are in difficult times. Jesus gives an example of this in his ministry when he's tempted in the desert. So he's gone out into the desert. He's fasted for 40 days. He's in a pretty weak state. If I had fasted for 40 days, I would not be my best self. Uh, And when the devil shows up to tempt him, he uses scripture to help him choose the path of righteousness or the path of life to continue to follow the Father. So when you're in a weakened state or a state of difficulty, what do you want coming to your mind? What have you memorized that's back there, right? Do you, when you're in a, a state of hardship, do you want quotes from, you know, The Office or whatever your favorite TV show is? You want sports statistics coming back to you, old phone numbers, <laughs> song lyrics, right? Or do you want words of life, words of truth? things that can encourage you and tell you to keep going and to know that you are loved and cared for. I hope that we can all, I think about it as like, you know, I told you I had to force myself to memorize Joel's phone number so I could write it down as an emergency contact, right? Think about it that way. We want words of scripture in our mind so that in an emergency, we have what we need. And then lastly, scripture helps us love others well. So as a church community, as a church family, we're called to love one another. Uh, In scripture, it says we're called to speak the truth in love, to encourage one another, to spur one another on towards the right path, and to pray for one another. And I want to ask, how are we supposed to speak the truth or encourage people uh, in the right direction when we don't actually know? We don't have it in our heads and hearts. If we can't tell the wise path from the foolish one, how are we supposed to encourage one another on in those directions? We need to be spending time delighting in God's word if we wanna have something to offer the other people in our community and vice versa, if we want other people to be able to encourage us and to uh, spur us on to the right path. If we wanna be a community, and this is my vision for, for Res City, that is life-giving and encouraging, truthful, a community that other people see and want to be a part of because they can see that something is different about it. And if we want that to happen, we want that to be true in our lives, if the people around us that they're encouraging us has to start with each and every one of us, that we would be willing to meditate and memorize in scripture so that we can encourage one another uh, along. And it's not only in like speaking to others uh, that meditating and memorizing scripture can help, but it's also in prayer. I know that many of you don't feel confident or comfortable praying out loud um, in front of people or maybe with people. Uh, And I'll tell you, I often feel that way too. It's not my like natural gifting to be really good at praying out loud in front of people or praying one-on-one with people. Uh, So I sometimes feel that too. And there've been times where I've wanted to pray with someone, I've maybe felt even the Spirit prompting me to Uh, But fear of not knowing what to say or feeling like I'm going to look stupid or whatever has kept me from doing that. And that's where scripture comes in. You cannot go wrong with praying scripture, right? It's like foolproof. (laughs) Uh, Psalm 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when we meditate on God's word and his ways, and we pray those things back to God, It helps align our desires with God's desires. Like the psalm says, God wants to work through uh, desires that align with his. And so knowing scripture has made me more confident in my ability to pray out loud and with other people, because I can know that my prayers are going to be more closely aligned with God when I'm praying from scripture. So if you're looking for somewhere to start, start with the psalms. It's a whole book of prayers and songs and different things that are offered up to God. Or look for prayers that people in scripture have prayed. There's tons of them in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Or just start with the Lord's Prayer, right? It's literally Jesus said, hey, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Here it is. So when we pray through God's word, we are asking for what is aligned with God's desires. And meditating and memorizing scripture can help us do that because it allows us to speak from God's word to one another, to encourage one another, and to pray for one another. Okay, I've talked a lot about the why, right? trying to convince you why you should be interested in learning about meditating or memorizing scripture. Well, let's talk about the how as well. When I first started following Jesus, I spent a lot of time meditating on scripture. I didn't know that's what I was doing at the time, but now looking back, I can see that that's what I was practicing. Uh, I spent a lot of time reading and repeating verses and just thinking about what they meant. And at some point early on in my time following Jesus, someone told me, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't use the Bible that way, because you should be studying scripture. And you're just cherry picking verses that you like, and that's not going to help you, you don't really understand it. Was this person right? Yes, yeah, said no. There is a way to meditate on scripture uh, where people often use that word cherry picking, where you're just like picking random verses and being like, this is my verse, I'm going to, you know, pray this, but totally missing the context around it. I have one story that I just still blows my mind, but there's a a quote in scripture that says like mother, like daughter or something like that. Uh, And I know someone who got matching tattoos with their mom with that that verse. And it's like, oh, cute. That's like on face value. That sounds great. The context of that verse is like God talking about how terrible Israel was and actually comparing it to a prostitute and saying, you are just like that. (laughs) So right, there is a problem if pulling verses out of context can lead to some really strange places and you don't want that. And at the same time, just studying scripture from an academic standpoint or just always reading large chunks of the Bible is not the only way to engage with God's word. It's an important piece, but it's not the only way to do it. And I actually think these two practices of studying scripture and meditating on it should go together. So here's an example of how I might do it. What I like to do is I pick a book of the Bible that I wanna spend time in for a while. So Right now I'm in Matthew. And then I learn a little bit about the book as a whole, right? And if you're looking for resources in this, like study Bibles will often give you a kind of a, a TLDR version of like what this book is about in the beginning. Or there are great resources online. The Bible Project is a great, like they have videos for different books of the Bible. It give you kind of an overview. They give you the summary and then maybe some background on it. And then I read a section or a chapter, and I start from the beginning and move through the book. I settle maybe I you know read a, a section and then I settle in on a, on a couple of verses that really stand out to me maybe it's something that surprised me and I want to ask why or learn more about like think deep, think a little bit more about why that could be true or maybe it's something that convicts me and I'm like oh I just need to like sit with this and and realize what this means in my life uh, or maybe it's just something that encourages me right it gives me like comfort or encouragement to keep moving forward. And then I read those verses again, and personally, I like to write them out in a journal because having to physically handwrite them makes me slow down enough to actually think about the words uh, because I'm not a super fast handwriter. And then I pray about it. I ask God, what does this mean? What are you showing me in this? Uh, what does it show me about who you are, God? And what does it show me about who I am? And what do you want me to take away from this? I might sit in silence for a while if I'm really diligent, I'm working on getting better with silence and, and being okay with that. Uh, and then I just think about those things and maybe write for me, again, journaling. I like to journal. I write a little reflection on what I feel like God has shown me through those verses. That's how I like to do it. But you might have a different way of approaching it. In general, though, you can follow uh, an ancient practice called Lectio Divina, which is Latin, I think. It just means sacred reading or divine reading. And there's just a a four-part way of going about this. So it starts with reading, right? Recognizing that God's word is alive and active. Uh, Hebrews 4 says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints, and marrow. So approaching it and realizing this has real power, and I want to acknowledge that as I start to read it and allow it to actually uh, read us. This is kind of a phrase people like to use instead of us reading it. So allow it to really challenge you. Don't always, when you read scripture, assume that you are in the place of the the good guys, right? Like ask ask yourself the hard questions and allow it to challenge you. And ask the spirit to really guide you in that process. The second piece is the meditation piece. And this is just focusing on something in the passage or in the verse and really ask God, what is this? What are you saying to me in this? How am I learning about who you are? And then take some time to pray about it. Uh, What do you, you know, God has spoken to you through his word, how do you wanna respond to him to speak back to him? And then the last piece is contemplation. So this might just be kind of solidifying what you feel like you took away from that uh, or maybe just resting in it and saying, yes, this is God's word, and I am okay with it, and I'm good with it. And if you need a picture, like uh, if you're a visual person, you need a picture of like, what does it really mean to meditate? Uh, I love this idea. The word meditation in a lot of these passages can actually be translated uh, as like growling, like the way a dog would growl over a bone. Uh, And so, you know, it's kind of similar. We often use phrases now like, oh, I'm going to chew on it, I need to chew on it for a while, or I'm going to really sink my teeth into this book, right? We've kind of got like similar phrases like that. So I like to picture our dog, Kinsley, um, who (laughs) I couldn't find a picture of her with a bone, even though she went through them like crazy when she was a puppy, but you can see she's chewing on my shoe in this one. Uh, And when she was a puppy, she was a crazy chewer. She was four pounds when we got her and she could chew through anything. She literally chewed a hole in our wall. Um, I don't even, I don't understand it. But when she would get a bone or a toy or a shoe, she would just like settle in. Like you could just see it. She was like, I'm going to crouch down and I'm just going to like, I'm so excited to just chew on this thing and to sit with it. And she would do it for, it was like the only time we could you know, when she was a really little puppy and destructive. It's the only time we could like not have to watch her, right, because she was focused so hard on chewing on this bone. And she could chew on it and gnaw on it forever. So that's like a word picture maybe, or not a word picture, an actual picture for you to think about when you are thinking about what it looks like to meditate on scripture. How can you really sink your teeth into it? How can you chew on it and really think it over? And then as for memorization, there are like a million TED Talks and videos out there about how to memorize things, so I'll let you guys go (laughs) down that rabbit hole if you want to. Um, But here are just a few ideas uh, from my experience. Uh, I'll reference Jen Wilkin again, she's a Bible teacher, and I love that she calls the lazy person's guide to scripture meditation is just repetition. (laughs) So if you read the same chapter over and over for like a week, some of it's gonna stick in your head right, hopefully, if you're actually taking time to read it. So you can go that route. Uh, There are apps out there to help you memorize scripture. I personally find this more distracting than helpful because I just, once I'm on my phone, it's just, I don't know, it's too tempting to click over to email or something else. Uh, I don't know, make flashcards. Go old school, right? Like, that's how I used to learn things when I was in high school. Have someone quiz you. Actually, like, have accountability in trying to memorize it. Or use motivation, like uh, aka, bribe yourself, right? I've shared before that uh, when I was in third grade in Sunday school, we, the teacher said, if you memorize Psalm 23, actually, so I, like, I still haven't memorized. Uh, they would give us one of those giant Hershey chocolate bars, like the really big ones, and so that worked for me as a kid. You know, like I, I sat down, I memorized it, and it's still in my head today, and so. If you need that motivation, I will buy you a giant candy bar. So if you want to memorize Psalm 23, I think it would be a cool thing for the church. Like we've been spending all this time in this uh, psalm. If you want to memorize it, let me know. I'll buy you, I'll buy you your favorite candy bar. Uh, so there's lots of ways to go about it. But I hope that you've seen that it matters that we think about these things and that we're intentional about it uh, throughout our time. So as we transition now into uh, a time of, we're gonna go back into a time of worship through song and we're gonna take communion, which in itself is an act of meditation, right? We take the cup and we think about what Christ has done for us on the cross and how uh, we can remember and meditate on the fact that he shed his blood and body for us so that we could be made whole. Uh, But before we do that, I wanna do a little practicing. So that means we're going to have to be in silence for a little bit. And I know that that's going to make some of you very uncomfortable. uh, But just humor me, okay? I want to just try this out with all of you. So I'm going to read uh, a couple verses from Psalm 23. And then I'm I'm going to read it a couple of times so you can kind of get it in your brain, think about it. It'll be up on the screen. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of time of silence. And you can pray. You can meditate on it. You can think about it. Um, And then I'll pray out loud to close us when I'm done. So Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. So take a minute. I just want you to meditate. You can close your eyes if you want. You can bow your head. You can do whatever you need to do just to meditate on these words. I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll head into that time of worship. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for your word that you chose to speak to us and that you gave us a way for us to hear you and to know uh, what paths of righteousness you want to lead us on. Lord, Isaiah 55 says that your word does not come back empty, but will accomplish God's purposes and we can rest in that. And the apostle Peter said, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where else would I go? So Lord, I just ask that as a a church community, we would be people who value your word, who want to hear from you so much so that we would make time in our lives to meditate and memorize your word. Because we know that it is the word of life and that there's nothing else that's better for us to be meditating on out there. So Lord, we just ask that you would be at work in our church community through this, and that you would speak to each and every one of us through your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.